Hi, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they are really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of fantasy novels with strong female leads and a new mom who is desperately searching for time to read. And I'm Nicole. I Right now I'm really into fiction books that help me learn more about social issues in our world. Yeah, and on that, I we need to address the elephant in the room right off the bat here, which is that we have not published an episode of this podcast in about a year. More, a little more. Yeah. More, you know, stuff happened. You guys are probably familiar. Uh, <laughs> there was a shut, pandemic. World shut down. Also, I got married and Chelsea had a baby. That was pretty time consuming. Yeah, it was It was a thing. It was, uh, you know, the best of times and the worst of times all in one. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, so we have been thinking about what we wanted to do in regards to this big gap, because we obviously have lots of episodes that were recorded. There's about seven of them, I think. Before the pandemic, and then we never released them because it was just too hard to do during the pandemic. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that uh, they would feel very out of time and place if they I'm were sure. released now. <laughs> so what we are thinking we are going to do is we are going to save those as lost episodes. And um, we're sure over the many years that this will take us to read this whole list, there will be times when we need to just pull an episode out of the hat. And those are our episodes to pull out of the hat. Those yeah. lost episodes that you might get to hear eventually that from, will be... <laughs> from the before times. Yeah. <laughs> B.C. P, B, for, not BC, BP, before pandemic. Before pandemic. So so we're just going to jump in as if there has been no gap, and, t- and they're doing our book uh, 54 out of our 1001 today. But before we get into that, I'm just curious um, what impact the pandemic had on your reading life. Um, well, I was very pregnant during the pandemic, and so... The pandemic itself had very little impact on my reading life because all the puking stopped my reading life from happening. <laughs> so last year was my least number of books read in a year, and I think I only read 50 books in the whole year, which for me is like cutting my number in half, and most of those were read pre-pandemic mm-hmm. or in October where my brother and I did a Goosebumps readathon where we read 20 Goosebumps books. So... <laughs> um Pandemic, not so much. Puking, really, it's hard to read when nauseous, I'm just going to say. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Uh, I'd say at first, like in the spring of 2020, I like stopped reading for like a brief period because of like crisis feeling. And then for a while I was only like rereading fantasy novels off of my shelves. I mean, did you reread Harry Potter? Was it that bad? No, I was rereading the Throne of Glass series, but only because I had just recently before that reread the Harry Potter one, so it was too soon. And then I kind of got in, back into normal routine, and I was reading um, regularly. But I did have to – I switched from pretty much exclusively reading paper books to reading e-books because that's what I could get out of the library much easier anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I only recently switched back to paper books because now – it's gotten easy to get paper books out of the library where we live again. And I love having them, <laughs> paper books again, because it, it's just, I just prefer the feel so much. Uh, but the, I feel like I vacillate between not reading very much at all and reading every available second like it was going to save my life and the only thing that was going to help me survive this. And so I ended up coming out about the same number of books as I usually would read in 2020, but it was Really in like fits and starts. <laughs> Roller coaster ride <laughs> of uh, published or reading books. Yeah. 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 I 
Well, it's been, it's been a year. It feels, this is the first time we're recording, even from our lost episodes in person, because we are both vaccinated now. Uh, hashtag science is real. You should get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, so we're both vaccinated. So we're in a room together without a mask. It it's feels so, lovely. So exciting. Um, and I have to point out that you and your, your husband used the pandemic to finish our podcast room slash your library. Yeah. It's awesome. It is completely <laughs> done. So we were recording in a new room. It isn't quite soundproof to the level our old room was, so it might be slightly echoier, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, so it just feels, this feels like normal returning, and I am just so into normal. Yeah, even sitting in traffic to get to you today after work, I was just like, this feels great, which that feeling probably isn't going to last very long, but I'm going to savor it, that it yeah. feels good right now. It's just, it's so nice to not have to be so on edge and worry. Yeah. Oh, you know, the other thing that the pandemic did to my reading life is that you know that we both share a love of World War II fiction, and basically during the pandemic, I read none. And usually I read many every year, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to go back to it. Like, I started and stopped books that I know I would have liked before, and just I just like, can't, can't read them anymore. Um, so I'm not sure if that'll come back around or not. But I, I read, I definitely read more fantasy and then more, like, fictional books that are also about racism <laughs> Uh, yeah, because 2020. 2020 was also a year for uh, so just thank goodness we have a new president. Yes. We're and- not very shy about our political. If you're joining our podcast now uh, and you just are hopping on on this like new wave. We're, we're not super shy about our political. Yeah. Uh, and not because we talk about politics that much, but just because the themes in the books. Yes are about your ideology and it's like it's tied together and when a lot of these books have things about race and uh, misogyny and homophobia yeah yeah all the big big ticket issues you know in society which all pretty much all of them came into play during 2020 at some point yeah and i i know we've talked a lot on the podcast before about how like reading these books makes me feel like i'm more thoughtful person in the world and and it's having even though sometimes the books are a slog to get through it's having a positive impact on my life and i feel like I felt that this year like when uh George Floyd died and I was like what actions can I take and one of them was like I you know I want to be consuming things from creators that are people of color Mm -hmm. and and I was looking back at the books I read I was like I do read already a lot of books not that I couldn't always read more and like I'm seeking it out but from um people who are different than me in variety of ways and it's important. It's really important. Yeah, I think that if anything, this journey has taught us very clearly. There's been many things thus far, but is that uh, the echo chamber of the white male voice in literature is oftentimes so easy to encounter, but not what you need to be seeking out. Yeah, totally. And and this this book list that we're using, right? Like they the we're doing. The edition, the first edition was really Eurocentric white men. And then this edition we're doing is less so. And then another edition has come out since that is less mm-hmm. so. Um, because the canon can't just be white men uh, of European and American origins. That would be something that would be interesting for us to add in is to double check when we're reading one if it's still in the third edition. Right, or if it got cut. We should start doing that. Yeah. I'm going to start doing I, that. I'm sure some of them got cut because there's some authors where it's like five or there's five or six novels by that person. 
on the list. You, you know, know, we mm-hmm. could cut Gormenghast or Look Homeward Angel, but that might just be taste. I mean, I bet Gormenghast is still on there because it's a. It's, what about Look Homeward Angel? Look Homeward Angel, we can let go. For sure. Also, just before the pandemic started, we were trying to read another book from the list called 2666, which is not by a white man. It's like South American. Um, But it was we were just like, we're going to read. We're going to do like books in between, but we're going to be trying to read this book. And to be honest, to me, that's the thousand and first book. And when we pick it up in 20 years to finish it, I'm not going to reread the section that I already read, even because it is it was rough. It like it was way worse to me than Look Home Angel, which we've already read. Yeah, it was it was Gorman gas levels of bad to me. Yeah, but so we're not gonna be circling back around to that one anytime it's, soon. That one's chilling on my shelf and it's gonna live there for a while. Yeah, so. and eventually we'll have the energy for it because we thought we were gonna wait on Look Home and Angel until the end, and we eventually were just like, let's do it, and so that's bound to happen. Right. But I'm gonna need like at least two years between me and the pandemic before I feel like it because it yeah. was another thing is that it was one reason besides you being pregnant and having such terrible morning sickness all the time and not being able to read was that it just was really hard to read serious hard to read books like I just couldn't ask myself to do anything that was that difficult when something's supposed to be fun yeah now and just now it's starting to feel like oh it's kind of fun to have the challenge and even now coming back you'll probably notice for the next round of episodes that we might be curating our choices a little bit more we're still randomly picking from the um our big jar but sometimes when one comes out we'll buy it but we're not gonna read that one next (laughs) yeah because we you know you this is a hobby you know so we're doing this for fun um speaking of which so we've kind of talked about how our reading life's changed what have you read recently um one i wanted to talk about is i read this book called diet land by sarai walker and i am not exaggerating when i say this book changed my life uh, it was so good. So I read it. I was looking for some nonfiction books about body positivity. Mm-hmm. And I got some of those out. And then this book was also on a lot of those recommendation lists. And so I ended, but it's a novel. And it's about a woman who is fat. At, like, I feel like she's fat, which is in a way that is like pretty normal sized actually, but she feels really terrible about mm-hmm. it. And, um, and she's preparing to get gastric bypass surgery. So she and she's like kind of been her whole life is on hold because like I can't do that. I can't date. I can't get a job I really want until I'm thin. And I'm gonna get this like very drastic surgery. And she's like, and then it kind of goes back in her past and all the terrible diets that she's been on and how it's like really hurt her spirit, you know, her development mm-hmm. as a person. And then she meets this lady whose mom like started a fake diet company like a a fictional diet company that was like the first diet the main character ever went on and the and then when the mom died the daughter like ended it because she was like this is terrible it's just telling people to starve themselves to death because the diet industry is evil and Mm -hmm. diets don't work like the science is not there and um just makes people hate themselves and so she's she tells the main character like work just like I'll pay for your surgery if you work with me up until the time is and if you still want to do it afterwards you can and I'll pay for it mm-hmm. uh and and so then she like makes her do all these like silly but all things just to like to start to love herself basically and then simultaneously in the background there's like a group of uh radical feminists who are like doing huge uh, political stunts and like kidnappings and stuff to like attack the diet industry uh-huh. um so it's a bit of like a uh, uh, dystopia too that like this other political thing is happening in the background and it was just so good like her journey of coming to like herself was so powerful and I feel like lots and lots and lots of women 
regardless of their size, will relate to like the way that you, um, when you're very young, intake that the most important thing that you can be is smaller mm-hmm. and and everything else. And that like until you have that, you won't be lovable or be able to be successful in any way. Both physically and kind of emotionally, we're yes, taught like, that as women. Yeah, not to take up space in mm-hmm. any sense, right? And it was just really powerful. Um, and I think I like I definitely like it's in the front of my mind all the time. So I highly recommend it. And it's really uh, encouraging, you know, like it's really positive. So nice. that's mine. What about you? Um, I just finished the new Sarah J. Mass book, which I already forgot its name. It's called The Court of Silver Flames. Court of Silver Flames. Uh, my brain power, not there when you only sleep four hours a night. Uh, so Court of Silver Flames. <laughs> We're going to leave that in. Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. Um, and it is the continuation of her Court and Thrones and Roses series. And it follows another set of characters. Because it's the fourth book, I'm obviously not going to dive into it. I just really like Sarah J. Mass because she is um, fluffy in a way that you just consume. It's cotton candy reads. She's yeah. a cotton candy author. Her books, they're well-formed enough that you're not stuck on bad writing um, they're, uh, well thought out enough and the world is well enough developed that there's enough meat that you're like engaged, but it's still fluff. Yeah. And I love this book. I read this book too. And I love it that it's really about mental health mm-hmm. it's, and it's well done. Like, I think it's an own voices story. Like it reads like that. Yeah. And it's a lot about processing trauma. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, and it, it's nice because it's about that, but then it still doesn't feel too heavy to read. Yes. So I really liked it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It took me a whole, you know, month and a half to finish it. Well, but uh, you have I, to keep another human being alive. That takes it priority. was. It's nice though because it was the first book I've read fully. Like I read it on my Kindle, so not in paper, but read read because I've done some reading this year. I'm I'm at like twelve books so far this year, but they've all been audio books. So this was the first. Mm-hmm. It was the first book I read in paper form uh, this year that wasn't just an audiobook. Yeah, that's nice. Um, you want to hear something funny about it? Yeah. So I read it and then I gave it to my copy to my mom to read because she also had read that trilogy and was like really into it. And I had gotten her into like that style of fantasy. And during the pandemic, she, her and her, my aunt, her sister and my grandma have been exchanging books a lot. Because my grandma is like was like a total library user, but is not tech savvy enough to navigate like curbside pickup, and so she's just been only been able to read books that people give her, and she lives alone, and she's been reading a lot. And so my mom was like, "Well, you she she borrowed from me the first book in the trilogy," uh, and was like. Like, we'll see if your grandma likes it. And then she just texted me today that my grandma read the book, first one in one day. And she's never read a fantasy book in her entire life. And she's in her 70s. And it's a young adult book. And she still loves it. So I was really excited about that. I love that so much. It just, as as a woman, no matter what age you are, it's nice to read a book with a strong, relatable female character and good sex scenes. It really is. (laughs) It's just nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, (laughs) On a completely... Other note, because there's no sex scenes in our book from today. Yes. <laughs> um, what is our book this week? Uh, our 54th book is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, uh, published in England originally in 1813. Obviously a book most people are marginally familiar with. <laughs> I know. I feel like if we're going into the plot, it's kind of just one of those things where you're saying it's Pride and Prejudice. Yes. There's. Well, what's your one word description? Um, My one word description is nostalgic. 
And mine is comfort food. Only because I stole nostalgic from her. (laughs) So yes, our quick plot is, you know, Mr. Darcy, Elizabeth Bennet, marriage proposals, hate to love. It's Pride and Prejudice. Like, there's a lot of movies you most people, I think, would have a general knowledge of it. Especially because there's a lot, even if you don't read classic novels, there's a lot of books inspired by Pride and Prejudice that retell it in different ways. Like, there's so many playoffs of Pride and Prejudice. Yes, so we, this is one that actually kind of in the middle of the pandemic, we were like, let's try to do an episode and we can record it online. And then we read it and we never did the episode um, yeah. because it, it was, it was just, uh, but I did enjoy, like, it didn't feel too heavy to read because right? it felt like comfort food. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I, when was the last time you read it before this? Probably about seven years ago, but I've read Pride and Prejudice maybe four times now and so I have the reason I chose nostalgia is I have really good associations with Pride and Prejudice because it was the first older classic kind of novel that I read by choice as Mm -hmm. like an early teen and so um it just that's why it feels so nostalgic to me because I've read it in very different phases in my life I read it as an early teenager I read it early in college I read it right after college so about, yeah, about 10 yeah. years and seven to 10 years. And then I just read it this last year. And so each time I like get something different from it because I'm at a different stage in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And so it just, it feels like nostalgia and it's nice to have a classic novel that was always a choice for me. I was never forced to read this book. I chose to read this book mm-hmm. mostly because of the miniseries, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. I also, I read this in high school. I think I, I had like a period where I read, I think all of Jane Austen novels except for maybe one. And I think I started with Sense and Sensibility, which remains my favorite um, partially because I love the movie, a movie adaptation the best, so that's how I found it. But then I, re- I think I had all of them like in one binding, you know, uh, at the time, and and then I read Pride and Prejudice, and and it's it's just very, um, it's very familiar mm-hmm. to the point where even like certain turns of phrase in it, it's just like yes, that's the line, like the way you would with a TV show. Yeah. Um, and I love that Jane Austen wrote female centric stories. And, like, her books don't pass a reverse Bechtel test. Like, you men are never alone in a room talking about anything besides women. Like, yeah. it's, it's refreshing, you know. Uh, and her voice, her books, they're really modern. They flow. Like, the way they're written, it feels really modern for her time. If you think, like, Charles Dickens was after this, and his books, are their style yeah. is so different. It's interesting, too, because... Um... We were talking when we were looking at the date this was published, and it feels like it was published like 30 years after when it actually was. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like it was later into this era of writing into the 1800s than it actually was, because you can even just tell from that style amongst her peers that she was ahead of her time. Yeah. And they and then she, there's like a famous quote from her that the, you know, the best thing for a book is um, just like, you know, a few country families and like all the drama between them. But, you know, more old fashioned yeah. than what I just said. And and it's I think that's what makes this feel so timeless because you don't have to have a great grasp on like what society was like in 1813 to get into this book. Like there isn't a barrier to get into the world because it just feels like even now, like we live and consume stories about like. How are they going to get together? Oh, they don't like each other. Oh, they like each other. Like, it's it's universal. And about, like, the um, rakish, rakish is an 
older term, but you know, like that rakish guy who comes in and is actually the bad guy and about being embarrassed by your family and not knowing how to navigate that and feeling like they don't understand what you want or need. Um, and about relating to one parent, but not to the other. There's a lot of things in within this novel that, um, just are timeless in a way that makes it so that it's an easy, nice, I would say it's a, a classics version of a cotton candy read. <laughs> so do you, are you like a lover of Mr. Darcy or could you take or leave him? Cause I mean, you have a tendency to really love bad boys yeah. in books. You always love the bad boy in every series or like, anything. I always, it's, it's in my heart. It's funny because I did not marry a bad boy or, or ever really date one. No. Like you. So I just love that. I think it's because I like dark, complicated characters so, yes, I like Mr. Darcy, but he is also a very flawed character. <laughs> yeah. When I was reading this, I I feel like when I read it as a 16 or 17-year-old, I actually liked Mr. Bingley more because Mr. Bingley feels he's he's maybe, you know, too influenced by his sister, but he's just kind and nice, you know, um, which – and this and this time I didn't really feel like a strong – attachment either way because when I now Mr. Darcy like spawned like a thousand other male leads and mm-hmm. so it's hard to actually just see him as he is in the book not in the dozens oh, of adaptations yeah. um but I feel like his arc of like oh I did this thing because I'm just completely stuck in my own perspective and now and then I realize that makes me an asshole and I'm gonna try to see it from someone else's perspective mm-hmm. is a really good modern arc that like people need to have in their real lives that it's like and it is someone flawed that you can still like yeah and so i do like i do like i laughed because i just never like the guileless like nice guy in books i don't know why i should i really should i don't i understand that's a great character trait to have i'm just not a hufflepuff (laughs) yes and i'm a hufflepuff maybe that's what it is mr bingley is definitely a, a hufflepuff and i feel like I feel like those are the kind of people I'm attracted to in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, you're right that they don't always make the most interesting characters in books. There's a reason Mr. Bingley isn't the lead. You know? Yeah. And I, I read something funny because the, the sister that marries Mr. Bingley is named Jane. And I read something funny. I think it was from Tumblr or something that was like, I love that Jane Austen um, wrote the like, I'm going to write a character that's so sweet and so smart and everyone loves her and she gets the richest guy at the end. And I'm going to call her Jane, my own name. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought about that that's funny yeah Um, yeah. I know I I just overall it's interesting because when I was reading it I remember thinking what things can I pull from this besides having strong female leads at a time when that wasn't Mm -hmm. super popular besides having a fairly modern writing style that I'd like want to have as a talking point but I just found myself getting caught up in how much I just liked the nostalgia of the book that every time I reach a stopping point, I would be like, this is going to be a boring podcast episode because I'm just going to say I like Pride and Prejudice over <laughs> and over. And I think most people, I mean, I think the reason this is on the list that these people made is like partly because of its vast influence in literature, but it's also like a really good entry into being a reader. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to be a reader to appreciate this. Like you do most of the other books we've read for this thing. Um, like you don't have, like it's just, it's very, yeah. it's just good. You know, like it's interesting. It's fun. It's, it feels fluffy, but it's not. Um, yeah. And I think that makes it worth a worthwhile. It's witty. Yeah. It's really witty. And I think it's funnier 
um, mm-hmm. than it comes across in some of the movie versions. Uh, that sometimes the movie versions get pretty like it's very dark and windswept and serious. I know right? we're gonna have to talk about who our favorite like Darcy and um, movie version is. In a yeah, minute. and the but it's it's actually like pretty funny and like yeah. the, it's the funniness is in the relationships between the like sisters and the women in the book. Um, I was gonna read. I marked a section because a lot of the book is about how women's only option for security is to get married and to do it pretty quickly so they don't become an old maid. And there's a quote. Um, so in the book, their cousin, Mr. Collins, proposes mm-hmm. to Elizabeth and she says no. And then her best friend, who's a little bit older and like needs to find someone quickly or she's going to be an old maid, marries him. And um, and Elizabeth at first is like, why would you do this? He's so boring and dumb, basically. Yeah. And then she's like, no, but it's the right move for me. And we, we get along and he doesn't have to be Prince Charming, basically, yeah. for us this to be a good move. And so there's a part... Um, <laughs> that says, without thinking highly either of men or of matrimony, marriage had always been her object, Charlotte's object, the friend. It was the only honorable provision for well-educated young women of a small fortune. However uncertain of giving happiness uh, must be their pleasant, pleasantest preservative from want. Yeah. So it's just like that where that idea that it's your only option and it's your best chance at, at like at least not being like starving and suffering in life we're not very far removed no. from that like one or two generations at, compared to thousands of generations of women yeah. in all different kinds of cultures around the world and uh so every time i read either an old or new book that kind of touches on those themes it always feels really like damn like women's liberation is so recent yeah. Uh, that it's it's a little bit shocking. And there's another part that I marked where it talks about Jane, the eldest sister. She better get married soon because she's almost 23 and will be an old maid. How dare she? Um, if she doesn't get off the shelf soon, you know. And I think that getting married this year um, makes you think about what you think about marriage. Yeah. And it is... Even though I our marriage is very egalitarian and we share the chores and we like both work and it's we want to you know be equal parents in the future all of that like it's like that idea is so recent like the kind of marriage that both you and I are trying mm-hmm. to have uh, and sometimes I'll like feel it like it's like ancestral memory of like oh I feel like I'm obligated to do X Y or Z for yeah. the household and then it's like wait my husband isn't actually expecting that from me. He and won't, like he can do it just as well as I can. Yeah, but it's 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 uh, even raised by like more feminist mothers. It's it's just out there in the world, you know. And well, it, so it's, that it's stands out to me about too. This. I mm-hmm. like I feel like that comes with um, having a child too. Like there's been lots of offhanded comments while having a child about how um, my husband is such a good dad because he wants to be there. And yes, my husband is a fabulous dad. Jeremy is doing a fabulous job, but like he's not a good dad because he just like is willing to sit with our child. Like that is the expectation. Yeah. Because he's also a parent. And so we're even closer to the generations where that, I would say we're like only one generation removed from that. And we're probably only like you were saying two or three generations removed from the marriage part. And so it's just crazy how much those, how long those are going to take to erase. Yeah. I, a uh, year, t- about, well, more than a year because it wasn't during the pandemic. So two years ago, I um, was at a baby shower for a friend, and another mutual friend had come up um, from another state and left her like 
young, pretty young under two year old twins at home with her husband. And then the various like older like aunts and stuff mm-hmm. at the baby shower were just like, wow, I never could have done that. Right? Like, and she was like, oh, yeah, my husband's fine. He can do it for two days. Like, you know, like he can do yeah. it on his own and his, you know, he can get help from other family and friends where they live. And and the, but the, all the older women were just shocked that yeah. her husband could handle it. And she was and she was just like he's their parent too, <laughs> you know, like he's equally as capable of being their parent as I am, especially cause they're not like breastfeeding or anything, yeah. you know? No, it's just, um, it's so interesting. Yeah. And I also saw something, I saw this thing online that was saying how, um, millennial dads are spending three times the amount of time with their children as baby boomer dads did, like our parents, Crazy. which our parents are baby boomers. And the, <laughs> And then someone, you know, they always there's always jokes online about how millennials are killing things. And someone had commented, "Millennials killing the deadbeat dad industry." <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Just as yeah. a side note. <laughs> um. So I mean, I guess. We could go on and on about how much we just enjoy the nostalgia of this book, but do we feel that it belongs on the list? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I I think that there's a lot to be said for a book that still feels modern. I mean, even though it's not, clearly, but still has modern ideas in it, is clearly someone who was subverting the system they lived in, um, and is something that is so pervasive in our society that it's a bouncing off point for people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like there are thousands of Pride and Prejudice retellings. Yes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that it, it belongs on the list and it's hard to separate that from just my love of it, <laughs> but I do feel like it deserves a spot there. Yes. Let's talk about some of our favorite adaptations. Yay. Of all types. I, I have two that I love more than any others. I love the miniseries with Mr. Bingley. <laughs> I just, anytime I read Mr. Bingley in the book from the mom's voice, that's how I freaking read it. And it, <laughs> it is in that tone. It is embedded there. I watched the miniseries in high school right after I had read the book for the first time. It's like the 10 hours long, mm-hmm. you know, and it, I just freaking love that miniseries. Um, so that's my first one. Which one do you like? And then I'll come back to my second one. Um, yeah, I'm not particularly like tied to any of the movie versions I've seen. I've only seen that miniseries once, and it was a long time ago in college. Um, but I, there's, I've read a few books that are like reinterpretations of it. A really great one. So the one I'll talk about is a really great one called Unmarriageable. And it's just a retelling set in Pakistan in like the 2000s. Um, where uh, arranged marriage is very serious. And it was just like, and it was just followed kind of the same beats of Pride and Prejudice, but with a, in a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really excellent. What's your other one? Um, my other one is another media version of it, which is the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, which are on YouTube and you should watch. It is like 14 hours long that you, no, maybe not that long. It's decent though. It's like a hundred episodes, but they're only like five to 10 minutes. Um, that are amazing. It was made by, um, the green brothers, um, Hank and John green, uh, about 10 years ago, I want to say. And it's, a um, YouTube retelling of pride and prejudice in modern times. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it so much. I just, I can't even, and that's actually my favorite, like Darcy, <laughs> which is so funny because he, um, I think there's been times while reading Pride and Prejudice or seeing adaptations where, like, Darcy just continues to come across as an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
but they because it was in modern times because of the actor and the way he played it it was easy to see that it was more about not knowing anything different and then figuring yourself out kind of mm-hmm. thing and i just i he's my favorite darcy yeah it doesn't work if it's just like well why are they together he sucks like he has to have an arc um, and of some of the growth. some of the retells of it and some of the media of it do do that to him. Yeah. Um, the other book which I've read really recently um, is a retelling. It's called Aisha at Last, and it's a Pride and Prejudice retelling set in Toronto in in the present, um, inside the like Muslim immigrant community in Toronto, hmm. and it's about uh, like a young woman who who. Um, and a, who's like more liberal Muslim or more liberal family, and then a, a really conservative Muslim man, and how the, and like how they end up together. Oh, and it's really good, really fun, like really fun, just like romantic comedy in a interesting cultural setting where you can learn something. Yeah, um, I I'm totally into that. I'm gonna yeah. have you write that down. So that was really good. And then the other one I really love is just kind of adjacent. And I know I've talked about it here before is a book called The Jane Austen Project, and that is like a sci-fi book where uh, in the future people are really obsessed with literature again, and Jane Austen in particular, and they send time travelers back to try to like get a manuscript that was lost mm-hmm. to history, and then they and then so they're like they go back and they meet her and they insinuate themselves in her life. And um, and you know hijinks ensue, and then it affects the future that they go back to. And it was just so, really fun. Time travel always. Just I love time travel, and that was like time travel and Jane Austen. It was great. And I wish I don't know if the author has written any other books, but they should. Uh. Yeah. So um, we've kind of rambled a bit because we thoroughly actually enjoyed this book, and I think we're also just enjoying getting to like yeah. talk about books in person. <laughs> So I think we will wrap up this episode. Um, Time to draw our next book. Yes, with our next book. Oh, you're going to be excited to hear this, Chelsea. Our next book is The Great Gatsby. So we've always said that we can have one book in 1001, which we refuse to read. And you always said you were going to use it for this book. Are you going to use it? No, this book is only like 200 pages. I'm saving it for, you know, 2666 or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we will be talking about a book we read in the same class in high school that you have ever since said it's the worst book you've ever read next time. I have perspective now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, until next time, you can find us at... You can email us at... 1001bookspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can follow us at 1001bookspod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Twitter. Thank you. Or at 1001bookspodcast on Litzy. Yes. Um, we are also on Goodreads as well at 1001 Books Podcast. Ah. <laughs> so uh, you can find us on pretty much any social media site if you search us hard enough. We're not guaranteeing that we're posting, but we try. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so until next time, happy, happy reading. reading.